listening to a podcast from Light FM. The Light Breakfast with Terry and you. This week, it's Love Without Limits that we're discovering, speaking to people who are redefining love and romance. Now we've got via Zoom with us, Professor Rob Brooks. He's an evolutionary biologist, going to shed some light on why many people are turning to AI for companionship. Let's talk about when people do have relationships with AI. Mm. Generally speaking, most people can't identify with how a person would be able to do that. So what would most people experience in a relationship with AI that feels like it's the real thing? Or, well, I know the real thing is, a, is another, <laughs> is an idea of what the real thing is, right? Why do people yeah. turn to, I guess maybe a better way of phrasing it is why do, why do people turn to AI relationships? Well, research that I've done, the accounts that I've heard, people turn for different reasons. One is curiosity. It's, Mm. you know, some people love technology and they just want to know more about it. And so they get, um, you know, into discussing things with um, their technology Mm. and they realize that the technology is amazing. And they get, they realize that they're getting some kind of enjoyment from it, which is pretty cool. As a consequence of that, they sort of almost by stealth become folded into this relationship. And I imagine with folks like that who go in a little bit skeptical but curious, maybe have jumped through a few extra mental hurdles doing that. Some people don't, they have trust issues and they don't really like being the possibility of being deceived or being hurt or let down. And they know that their their chatbot what I call virtual friend is not going to let them down or not deliberately. It's designed to basically support them. And yes, the level of support may only go so far because it can't necessarily learn some of the special human tricks. Maybe, maybe not. But each of the special human tricks is, you know, falling like dominoes at the moment. But nonetheless, you know, they they feel like this is better than the alternative, which is dealing with real people who I don't trust, have let me down, et cetera, et cetera, in the past. So that's another possibility. But I don't think, you know, I don't think you can say that someone who has a relationship with a chatbot is necessarily damaged. It may be that there is some damage there or it may be that there's some time poor. You might not have the time to have that relationship, but you really crave contact. And so you can chat to them when you're in the car or on the bus or, you know, um, just before bed. And it's easier than going out and meeting people. And, you know, especially if you don't know people, you're in a new city, you know, so for folks who, who just don't have the kind of contact that they would like to have hmm. uh, for whatever reasons. And then the last possibility is one that's, you know, it's it's very sad, but it's very true that there are a lot of very, very lonely people out there in the world. So a lot of folks say about these robots, you know, um, they might be better than nothing, but they're not enough. Mm. And I go, you know what, currently they probably aren't enough, but some, for some people they're proving to be good enough. And mm. the reason is that, you know, nothing is sometimes all that some people have. And so that crisis of loneliness, if that is being met by these companies, I mean, not because the companies that make them are necessarily doing it out of the goodness of their heart, but if that is being met by these products, then that's something we should also take seriously because it could alleviate a a massive problem, which is a mental health problem and then a physical health problem with people. Should we worry about that? Is there that slippery slope towards not needing other people, in a sense? Yes and no. I think what I worry about is not so much the question of, of needing other people. It's that time spent with any technology is time that then is no longer spent with 
people, building relationships, building alliances. Sometimes you actually need allies. You know, you need your parents as a kid to come in and help you if you're being bullied or if you're having trouble at school or, or recognizing those kinds of things. Now, currently, we're a long way from your your chatbot being able to do that with you and for you. Right. So we need those allies. We need friends. We need, we need to be social. And it's not so much that, that the technologies get to be so good that it sort of replaces the social. It crowds it out of our lives. Mm. So, and that, that's not just the case with chatbots. Chatbots are going to be like, you know, crack cocaine for this kind of stuff. Right. But social media have been doing this for 10 years. And we see the consequences in terms of rising rates of sort of certainly youth mental health issues, uh, mood disorders in particular. There's a fair amount of evidence, and it's not unequivocal, but there's a fair amount of evidence out there that says that youth mental health has worsened as a direct consequence of the rise of social media, particularly instant messaging, but also the sort of visual diet you get from seeing everybody's highlight reel right. all the time. Yeah. Um, and the fact is that that's so compelling. I don't think it really matters as much what you're seeing and what you're hearing as the time that it takes up. I look at the time that people in my house spend on their phones when they should be studying, when they should be working, mm. when they should be mm. hanging out with the family and doing family things. And I lament that. And these guys are probably much more aware of it than, than most. It really crowds it out. Because you've written articles about how more and more people are falling for AI partners, right? The companies behind creating these AI partners, can they be seen as predatory? Are they intentionally looking to be able to create a need where, by right, it should be already filled by other people in our lives? Are they intentionally making us more reliant on them? I, I'm guessing the answer is yes. Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> I think that when we look back on this era, you know, maybe in 10 years time, it might look a lot like that. I don't think that that's necessarily what's happening here. I think that folks are going, gee, we've got this great technology. We've got large language models, new ways of doing chatbots. Uh, they're really compelling. We can do this clever application. Mm. It's going to be fun. People are going to love it. All they're trying to do is create a product that, that's fun. You know, yeah. like, you know, the Coca-Cola Corporation set out to make people obese. No, it didn't. It set out to make a drink that people would like to drink. Turns out that the success of that, because it tapped into our need for sugar, fizzy, sparkling kind of things, um, the success of that partially resulted in an increase in sugar intake. And an increase in sugar intake is associated with this broader obesity crisis. Mm, so you can't mm. necessarily pin it on one corporation or even a whole industry sector, anybody who makes sugary drinks. Mm. You know, they haven't set out to cause that problem, but they, they have gone about exploiting something. Mm. And my favorite approach to regulating that kind of thing is to tax it. You know, I think Adam Smith said in the, you know, late 18th century mm. that you should be taxing things like sugar, rum, and tobacco mm. because you don't need them, but they're things that people like to have. So that's right. what we should get our tax revenue from. Mm -hmm. And it's true with soft drinks. If you tax them, you get a, um, you know, you get a decrease in, in demand. So is there a way to tax social media and chatbots and these kinds of things? I don't know. I don't know how you'd go about it. Yeah, because um, you, br you brought up regulation. Yeah, you brought up regulation, yeah. which is exactly what a lot of people are pushing for because it seems like with this type of technology and actually a lot of different technology that's available right now, it feels like companies are monetizing loneliness 
they're mm. banking on a person who feels alone to be able to then engage in all these various ways that makes a f- person feel less lonely. And then it doesn't actually solve the loneliness. It just makes a person dependent on all these other things that makes them feel less lonely without not being lonely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a very complicated little web that we've spun for ourselves, of which the companies that make the chatbots are only a a tiny little part, although they're the obvious target for our irritation. And often they do. They say in their own advertising, this is good for people's mental health, it can Mm. be used for cognitive behavior therapy, this, that, and the next thing. And you go, ah, come on, marketing people, can you be more cynical? But, you know, what we saw this time last year with Replica, when Replica was challenged by the Italian government, basically, mm. for not being Sexual very... harassment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were concerned that kids were getting access to it, and they were concerned that the data wasn't being used in proper, you know, EU regulation fashion. Mm. So so they said, you know, to Replica, look, you can't do this anymore. Replica went, oh, my goodness, this is a problem. It's going to be a problem in other jurisdictions. And they turned off the sexy time stuff that yeah. the people who were paying for Replica could get your... your Previous um, interview guest might be one of those people. I don't know. Mm. And people were devastated and people's mental health definitely got worse because this product disappeared. Mm. And so there was like, it's my, like my partner's died. It's like my wife had a lobotomy. <sighs> they were very dramatic about it. But it was quite clear that actually these things are good for mental health, not necessarily mm. that we would prescribe them because you would rather say go down a different pathway. But once you're dependent on them, you're mm. kind of dependent on them for mental well-being. Um, and so there's something in there that says this could be an absolute godsend for people, especially for lonely people or people with particular types of conditions. This right. could be amazing, but are we going to be able to, you know, regulate it and apply it in a way that doesn't sort of, you know, kill the, the golden goose, mm. um, but at the same time doesn't allow, you know, people to be damaged? Let's see. My 21-year-old niece is feeling lonely and she seems lost and she's dealing with a lot of mental health issues at that point in time. Do I suggest she download Replica as a means to Mm -hmm. deal with what she's going through? I would definitely say no. I think that if she finds Replica and it helps her on her journey, then that's one thing. But I think that there are well understood, you know, clinically tried methods that are far better than that, as well as good folklore. Like we know people need family around them. People need folks to keep showing up in their lives. You know, even if the young person who's suffering isn't really, doesn't seem really receptive to it, they need to know at Mm. some level that people that care for them are there. Right. And I think that, that giving them replica is almost an act of abdicating, right. you know, like a cop out position mm. that you've had. Yeah, I, mm. I think so. You know, I think mm. that finding other things that you can do, possibly online as well, where you can engage with each other and do things together so that you might be able to then incidentally have more conversations is a good thing. But, you know, I think the first thing is obviously professional help with a clinical psychologist who yeah. can help because often, you know, these issues are a bit of therapy. And possibly, you know, SSRIs or or whatever, um, you know, are far better understood as pathways to dealing with these things. But I think the day will come Mm. when most of the therapy can be done by a a good proper therapy bot. Right. um, But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. 
not there yet, you know. So at this but point yeah, in I time, right now, yeah, ideally, choose all of the human options first as a means to deal before turning towards AI. At this point in time, at least, I would say so. I would say so. Thank you so much, Professor Rob Brooks, for、oh. sharing with us. We really appreciate you. We wish you had more time, actually, because this feels like something that we could speak about for hours and hours and hours about. But that's all we have. We、right、have to follow up again. <laughs> yes, we look forward to. We look forward to being being able to、um, follow up on this and discuss it further. Thank you so much again, Professor. Thank you, Terry. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S Y O K.